we want you to immediately start with your breathing. And you can do this within days of delivery, even if you've had a surgical cesarean birth. And that especially can feel a bit odd. You've got this belly where the baby used to be. Your pelvic floor might feel very disconnected. You might have an incision. But just starting with your breathing can be so useful. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Teen. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hi guys, happy Monday. So this week on the podcast, I am joined by my friend Nikki over at the Bella Method, and we're talking all about pelvic floor health. Nikki is a women's fitness expert, master's Pilates trainer, and passionate pelvic health advocate. She even created her own evidence-based fitness program for pregnant and post-mama women called the Bella Method. If you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, you know I've done previous episodes on pelvic floor health. This is such an important topic to discuss, which is why I invited Nikki to come on and have this combo with me today. We talked all about pelvic floor strength after birth, diastasis recti, signs that you may have pelvic floor weaknesses or tension, getting back into fitness post-birth and more. Guys, birth is hard on your body. It really is. And it's completely understandable that pelvic floor issues post-birth are common, but that doesn't mean that they have to be normal. And this week, Nikki and I are discussing just that. So let's dive right in. So tell me, are you one of an estimated 80% of pregnant women that's hoping to give birth without an epidural? I hate to break it to you, but simply wanting it might not be enough. After the unmedicated birth of my first son, Walter, I knew I had to create an affordable online birth class designed just for moms that wanted to do the same. And that's how Birth It Up, the natural series was born. Learn more about how to make your dream of a natural hospital birth a reality at mommylabornurse.com slash natural birth. You can totally do this and we can help. Hi, Nikki. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today with me. I am so excited that we're doing this, Liesl. Like we yeah. have so much to talk about. So we much. do. We do. We have so much to talk about. And we just had a conversation on your podcast a week or so ago, whenever that was. So this is the second time we're chatting, which is always fun. I feel like the conversation sometimes flows, you know, like you feel like you're like, okay, I've talked to this person before. Like, 100%. I can I can talk about this subject. We can talk. I mean, I feel like we were pretty candid on that it was, podcast. But oh yeah, we sure were. I'm <laughs> we so excited. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, just you wait, my friends. Just you wait. We go there. The name of the podcast is We Go There. And we, we definitely go there. And there. we went there. We went there. I love it. Well, I love that you started off by saying you were a fellow podcaster. So, Nikki, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the Mommy Labor Nurse community? Tell me all about yourself. So, I am a Pilates instructor. I'm an IVF mama of two. Right now, at the time of recording, I have a three and a half year old and a 17 month old. Woo. I live in Toronto, Canada, and I am very passionate about 
the pelvic floor. So really my bread and butter, my raison d'etre is really to help women through the pregnancy and postpartum period to feel empowered, to feel confident, to really prepare their bodies and be proactive whenever possible. And then to really recover, whether it's from prolapse, incontinence, diastasis recti. It's kind of the stuff I talk about all the time, all day, every day. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Well, I love that. And I love that I'm having you as an expert on to talk about all this good stuff that you talk about all day long, because that's how I feel with some, you know, birth topics. It's like, I can talk about pelvic floor stuff and diastasis recti and, you know, everything that you just said, but much more comfortable talking about pooping during labor and the whole labor and delivery <laughs> process and, you know, C-sections and all of this good stuff. So I love that you're on here today and we're going to be talking all about those subjects. So let's, since we've already, you already said the word pelvic floor and mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about that mostly today. Can you tell our listeners, especially for those who are first time moms who are pregnant for the first time, like what exactly even is your pelvic floor and how does it relate to your pregnancy, postpartum and really your fitness? Absolutely. That's a big question. We could talk an hour just about that. Okay. But I'm going to do my best to be brief and really keep this simple. So I like to envision basically your pelvic floor is all the muscles in the bottom of your torso. So some people call it like a hammock or a basket connecting your pubic bone, your tailbone, and your two sits bones, also known as your ischial tuberosities for the nerds out there. But basically it's the nurse is like, I know my anatomy (laughs) where we, you know, assess where the baby's coming down the Uh station. We're looking at where the baby is in line with those two little points right there. Exactly. So it's a support stability. It's got a sphincteric function because poop has to come out and pee has to come out, but it also has to hold in. So you need your sphincter to both be able to relax and engage, right? You want to be able to poop when you want to poop, but hold it in when you don't want to poop. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of poop. So we have support, stability, sphincteric function. It has a sexual function, which I think we all know, Mm -hmm. and it has a sump pump function. So sump pump function is, is a function a lot of people don't really understand, but essentially it helps tremendously with lymphatic fluid and blood circulating through your body. So you want to have, you know, a well oxygenated sort of pumped well full of blood vessels and whatnot. Your pelvic floor helps that circulation. So your pelvic floor, as you can tell now, has a lot of functions and it's important that we know sort of how to support the pelvic floor because your pelvic floor goes through a lot of strain when you're pregnant. Think of like a bowling ball on a trampoline. That's essentially the visual I like to paint for women. By the time you're in your third trimester, that's kind of what's going on. So your floor is in a lengthened, elongated state Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of pressure from that baby pushing down on your pelvic floor and your abdominal wall for that matter. So we really want to do our best to stay connected to the pelvic floor during pregnancy and newsflash that doesn't necessarily mean mindlessly doing Kegels. Yes. Good point. Yes. Cause I think naturally when we think of the word pelvic floor, you think, Oh, like when you do Kegels, like that's all I need to be thinking about. Totally. I don't know about you, but I remember when I was like, what's a Kegel, you know, learning maybe yeah. my early teen years. And I thought it was when you sat on the toilet and went pee and then held your pee midstream. Mm -hmm. Like a Kegel is the ability to shut off the pee midstream Mm -hmm. and that's your Kegel. 
So I just want to like, if anyone else also thinks that, please never practice Kegels when you're in the middle of going to the bathroom because <laughs> yeah. it's actually really bad for your nervous system. It is. Yeah. 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 So, so don't do that. It's really the three main openings down there. So we've got the u- urethra, AKA the pee hole, the vagina, and then the rectum. Mm-hmm. So when I'm teaching classes, we want to make sure that women are working the whole area. A lot of women are just focusing on the holding your pee because that's what they've been taught. They're not really connecting well with the two back areas, the vagina and the rectum. So we want to be making sure we're getting a full contraction, but also like a full release. And a lot of women are actually really unknowingly tense in their pelvic floor. Yes. I'm raising my hand right now because I am (laughs) very much so. I saw a pelvic floor physical therapist after I had my second one. And that's something, something I knew during pregnancy too. And kind of even before that, but she mentioned that, that I just hold a lot of Mm -hmm. tension. And she actually told me that she sees a lot of people who are I wouldn't call myself type A, but I'm not type B, but I'm like kind of like ADD and I kind of hold a lot of tension in my shoulders. And I'm very like, you have that sort of personality where you're like naturally anxious and just you hold a lot of tension in weird spots. So like, it's natural to think, yes, you also hold tension in your pelvic floor, which I definitely do. And I've definitely experienced issues with, and I've like opened up about this, but I've definitely experienced issues with relaxing during sex and pain, you know, during intercourse, because sometimes I can't like fully relax. And that's a big, big thing with the, you know, when you have tension down there. It's a big thing. You're absolutely right. And in a lot of the tension that we have is really because, you know, to dive a little bit deeper, your pelvic floor is governed by your autonomic nervous system. So, you know, we don't realize that we're clenching. Think of a scared dog that tucks its tail. The dog's not really conscious it's tucking its tail. We do the same thing. So it's totally. a vulnerable area. We clench when we get a shitty email. We clench when someone cuts us off in traffic. We clench when we're anxious about like our kids' well-being. We clench, we clench all the time. Yeah. And I think one thing I personally am sometimes missing in the dialogue is that we're told, okay, do these stretches, you know, do this blossom breath or this release breath. But we also need to touch on the sort of physiological state and our state of mind. So one of the things I often tell women is, yes, do the stretches, do the happy baby, do the legs up the wall, do the butterfly do the thread the needle, but do also send messages of safety to your pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. And it it sounds really woo-woo. I know. Yeah. (laughs) But you want to just take a moment and pause and say, you're safe. You can let go. And this is really, really useful for women in pregnancy in particular. And this is also, as a side note, I find really useful for women during delivery. You're tensing while you're trying to push. That's going to make it more likely that you'll likely have tearing or, you know, you're not going to completely open in the best possible way. So there you go. Pelvic floor tension is a real thing. And I think the real message here is that, you know, we want to work on what are we tense for in the first place? Yeah. Like what's causing the root cause of the tension? And and to know that, you know, you've got to see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. I know in Canada, we call them physiotherapists. In the States, it's physical. It's tomato, tomato. Okay. Yeah, Same thing. Right. 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 <laughs> but, you know, you want to understand what's the root cause, what kind of tension are you holding on to? And know that, you know, if you're leaking, a lot of people assume, oh, well, I'm peeing when I run. I must be, you know, I must need to do Kegels when actually you could be peeing when you run because you're too tight. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let's talk about after birth. I would say it's not most normal, but 
like a lot of times people have issues with your pelvic floor not being strong enough. And like you said, you're leaking more, you know, you're having accidents, you're peeing, you know, your pants or, you know, other things are happening. So what are some other signs that maybe you need to, instead of it's too tight down there, it's like you need to work on strengthening your pelvic floor? Absolutely. So we have sort of this continuum. So a pelvic floor that's too tense is a hypertonic pelvic floor. And then you have the too loose or lax would be, you know, I don't like to use the word loose, but like yeah. lax, hypotonic. Yeah. Hypo, and, right. Yeah. And you can have a mixture of both. You can have hyper and hypotonicity. You can, like you can have a knot on your right shoulder. You can have a knot on the right side of your pelvic floor. So a lot of women are like a combination of parts of their pelvic floor that are a little bit maybe little hyper and other parts that are hypo. For example, if you had perennial tearing or stitches, well, there's probably going to be some tension in that scar tissue where you had those stitches. So that's just one example. So how do you know what you are? You're likely a combination of both, but here are some just signs that you may want to explore. If you're experiencing pain with sex, as you mentioned, Liesl, Mm -hmm. if you're having chronic constipation, if you have urinary hesitancy, meaning you sit on the toilet and you're like, I'm trying to pee, but nothing's coming out. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, low back pain, unexplained pelvic pain, achiness. These are some signs, even, you know, burning or pain in your in your vaginal region could potentially be signs of having too much tension in your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of being lax, it would be, and it's a little confusing on this one because you could be leaking if you have, you know, hyper or hypo. Yeah. Right. So that can be confusing for people. But, you know, as a rule, like a lot of the times, the best thing you can do is go and get an internal vaginal assessment. Yeah. Generally, like if you're dealing with prolapse, you know, which is if you're Uh, not sure what that is, that's essentially there's like a descent of either your uterus, your bladder, your rectum down towards the vaginal vault. I did not make up that term, by the way. Vaginal vault is like (laughs) that is a term. And I, I the first time I heard it, I was like, what? (laughs) Like, what are you calling that? But yeah, like that's a medical, I mean, when I work with residents, like they talk about that and I'm like, that almost seems like derogatory a little bit. I don't like the word fault when you like, yeah, like when you're talking about a vagina, I don't know. But yes, that is, that is a term. Just Nikki did not make that up. I did not. I cannot take credit for that. It makes me think of like chastity belts in the medieval times. Right, right. I'm like, you're talking about my vault? Like what? Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so, so prolapse is something that is very, very, very common. And it can be very hard psychologically to get the diagnosis of prolapse because you're like, oh my God, I'm broken. I think we hear more about jokes on peeing your pants. Like we hear people talk about it. Oh, I sneeze. You know, I have kids and there's a lot of TikToks about it now. So we're talking about it more and people are feeling less embarrassed about it. But prolapse is another one where, you know, you're like, what? Like my organs are falling out. Like there's a lot of myths about it and misunderstandings. So I want to share, I've experienced like a minor grade one cystocele after my recent second baby just last year. Mm -hmm. And that's the proper term for a bladder prolapse. But basically there's a lot we can do to be preventative, but some things are beyond our control. So quick story, I had bronchitis in my third trimester of pregnancy Mm. and I was coughing like hard for a month. Well, we all know when you're coughing, like that's causally linked to downward pressure on your pelvic floor. So long story short, I was diagnosed with a lower than sort of average bladder 
And I was able to do a lot of rehab, pelvic floor physio, all the inversions, the breath work, the diaphragmatic breathing, all that stuff. And it's gone now. Yay. Yay. But exercise in rehab is a really important thing to do, especially if you've got like a grade one or a grade two prolapse. Mm-hmm. In the research, they know that it can get a little bit harder to improve things with exercise if you have a grade three or a grade four. Mm-hmm. But we know that there's a lot of stuff we can do conservatively to improve the outcome. Yeah, that's great. So moving on to, I want to talk about some of maybe the common myths. I know you mentioned TikTok and how people are talking a little bit more about like bladder leakage and it's Mm -hmm. not as embarrassing, but I think it's important to note that myth along with maybe some other myths that are out there that on postpartum bodies, like the fact that peeing your pants, it happens, but it's not normal. I think that's something important to shed light on that, hey, it is common and it happens, but that doesn't mean that it's normal. So let's talk about that and then maybe some other common myths out there regarding pelvic floor and postpartum women. I've actually had, I've done some reels on this topic because I think, while I think it's great that we're talking about this issue more. My concern that women are going to be like, oh, you know, everybody's peeing their pants after they have kids. Right. And I don't want you to think that that sort of part and parcel of having children, because if you're leaking and you're 30, 35, you know, and you don't address it with rehab, then the chances once you hit perimenopause and menopause and your collagen changes, your hormone changes, your elastin changes, it's going to be a lot to cope with. So I'm sort of like, Hey, listen, while you're still in your reproductive years, this is the time to really do the rehab because if you ignore it, it's not going to get better on its own. Right. And there are some really depressing stats out there that one of the main reasons that, you know, we, and we're talking elderly people like 70s, 80s, 90s, they go into care facilities is because they're incontinent and they're embarrassed. Yeah. And they don't want their kids wiping their butt. And I, and this is really a bit of a, a bummer to talk about, but it's the truth. And so I think that, you know, it's all fine and good when you're 30 to, to joke about having to wear a pad when you go for a run. But I want women to know that like there is help. It does work. There's a lot that we can do. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, let's talk about diastasis recti. Am I saying that right? I feel like I never say that right. Diastasis? diastasis, diastasis, tomato, tomato. Okay. 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 I'm like, is it diastasis or diastasis? I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what the right word, like the right pronunciation is. Honestly, it varies. And I don't think there is a right. I think it's whatever you want to call it is fine. I found a lot of my friends in Canada call it diastasis, but then there's a bunch of people who say diastasis. Diastasis. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that too, because that is definitely a myth out there that like, that's just, your belly is just going to stick out a few inches, you know, you're going to have that for the rest of your life. Yes. So here's the deal. So what is it? It's essentially, if you think about this, okay. And I'll give you me me as an example. I'm not a huge person before I had my babies. You know, if you measured, I think I had about like a 25 inch waist. And then when I was pregnant, third trimester, I was like, just for fun, let me like measure the circumference of my waist. And I think it was like, 45 inches. Like, okay. So it went from call it 25. It grew almost 20 inches. Yeah. Okay. Like a lot, a lot. So how did it grow? Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? It's miraculous, but we have something called connective tissue that Mm -hmm. runs vertically 
down the middle of our six pack muscle. And mm-hmm. we are built, especially women, we are built for that tissue to expand to make room for a human life. Mm-hmm. So I want everyone to know literally 100% of people are going to have diastasis mm-hmm. by the end of their pregnancy. You have to. Where else is that tissue stretching? So your entire abdominal wall stretches, but it's the middle of that six-pack muscle that's really bearing the brunt of that stretch. Yeah. And that's, again, it's a miracle. However, yeah. okay, and there's a couple of factors I want people to know. If you're pregnant with twins, triplets, guess what? You're going to stretch more. It's just, yeah. you know, physics. Yeah. If you have a shorter torso, meaning the space between your ribs and your hips are shorter, you might notice like, why is it that someone that's maybe five foot tall looks like they're pregnant in the show earlier than someone who's six feet tall, mm-hmm. right? Like you're going to yeah. carry your babies differently. So I find and just anecdotally that if you have a shorter torso, shorter waist, you're going to show earlier. And sometimes you may have a little bit more diastasis. It makes sense. Totally. And so there's also a genetic component. Why is it that some people get stretch marks and others don't? A lot of it has to do with our genetics. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to consider here, but there are some things we are in control of. And that's what I'm so passionate about teaching because we can be so proactive. I call it pregnancy prehab. So we can learn to activate the TVA. We can learn to stop straining when we go to the bathroom because that's causally linked not only to prolapse, but also to worsened diastasis using something like a squatty potty to help open everything can reduce the straining, reduce the pressure. You're nodding your head. You're like, oh yeah, I love the squatty potty. (laughs) I love it. Yes. Yes. It's so weird how that thing just helps. (laughs) Like, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense, but you're just like, oh wow, this is actually a lot more comfortable. (laughs) hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's funny. We need to get sponsored for this podcast. Hey, squatty potty. (laughs) Okay. I'll I'll send Allie a message. (laughs) Send them an email. (laughs) <laughs> we, can talk, we can talk about poop a lot, you and I. Okay. So, so that's important. And learning to breathe. Now, this is like, what? Like, and I'm going to be totally honest. This is boring stuff. This isn't sexy. Like, what do you mean the need to learn how to breathe? So when you inhale, just everyone listening to this right now, take a deep inhale. I want you to notice where that- i right now. Good. Do it. Where does the breath go? I'm trying to have it go down, but right now I've been talking, so it's going up. <laughs> I actually want it to go out. I want it to okay. go wide into okay. your ribs. Okay? okay. So when you inhale, I want you to imagine your ribs opening like an umbrella. Okay. Okay. So that is in a nutshell, in a very, very concise nutshell, what we want you to be doing, especially when you're dealing with pregnancy and early postpartum. Because if you think about it, if you inhale up into your shoulders, that's not a really good way of managing pressure. That actually adds pressure to your pelvic floor and to yeah. your abdominal wall. Yeah. You also don't want to be inhaling and like bearing down and pushing down. Mm-hmm. You want to think of your core like a barrel and you want to basically distribute that inhale because your inhale is kind of like you're adding air into your barrel. That air has to go somewhere. That air represents pressure. Mm-hmm. You have control over where you send that pressure. So we want to distribute it into the sides of your barrel, not the front wall, not the diastasis, not the connective tissue in the front, not your shoulders, not down on your pelvic floor. So think lateral costal breathing, ribs opening like an umbrella as you inhale. So that's another big tip that we teach a lot in our classes. And then on your exhale, that's when we work on something called hug the baby. So you're learning to connect with your pelvic floor in your deepest layer of abs. And that's going to help you so much both, you know, with pushing as well as with your postpartum rehab. Yeah. No, I love that. I'm like very <laughs> relaxed right now. I've been breathing as exactly how you're saying. And I'm just, amazing. yeah, I love it. I love it. 
All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. So this Birth It Up Baby is a C-section baby, babies, or I should say. So this Birth It Up Baby is from Brooke, and Brooke says, thank you for the work that you do. I took your Birth It Up C-section course. Having a twin pregnancy and some medical complications made a C-section the right choice for our delivery. Awesome. Your course was super informative and helped me to feel prepared for what was going to happen. It taught me to ask questions when I didn't understand something. Our girls were born at 36 and five days and they are doing great. Amazing. So glad we could help. So if you want to check out the course that Brooke took, she took Birth It Up, the C-section series, and you can head over to mommylabornurse.com and click on the C-section series. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. Well, let's talk about fitness routines. If you're interested in that, when can I get back, you know, into the gym or like, when can I start losing this baby weight or when can I do this? You know, not saying that you need to ever even lose the baby weight, baby weight with quotes. I know, air quotes. Right. Yeah. So what, in terms of thinking about the pelvic floor, what are some of the best ways to get back into a fitness routine after birth? I'm assuming we're going to be going slow here. Uh-huh. Absolutely. We're going to go slow, but we're going to start sooner than you think. Oh, so okay. the one thing that I have a big problem with, and I know a lot of my colleagues in this space would echo is that right now the standard of care, and I'm sure you probably talked about this is that you go, you have a baby and you have all these prenatal appointments and you have hardly any postnatal. and it's gotten even worse in COVID. Absolutely. But basically you have this baby and whether you've had a cesarean birth, whether you've had a vaginal birth off, you go, you're sent home and you know, here in Canada, even some women have said that they had a virtual six week checkup, but anyways, same here. I know it's very sad. It's crazy. So, and then we're sort of like, okay, air quotes, you're cleared. And you know, it's like going and having a surgery for your ACL doing no rehab. And then at six weeks being told you can go run 5k. It doesn't make any sense. No, I want women to a reduce the fear of movement because I think there can be a lot of fear of movement. I'm a fan of something called the Goldilocks zone. So if you remember that fairy tale, Ooh, it's yeah. like that nice little medium temperature porridge, the oatmeal that she was yeah. eating, right? Not yeah. too fast, not too slow, not too hot, not too cold. And that takes a little bit of figuring out. We help women with that, but basically we want you to immediately start with your breathing. And you can do this within days of delivery, even if you've had a surgical cesarean birth. And that especially can feel a bit odd. You've got this belly where the baby used to be. Your pelvic floor might feel very disconnected. You might have an incision, but just starting with your breathing can be so useful. And then slowly working on connecting, reconnecting to your pelvic floor because you're picking up car seats, you're picking up your baby, like you're being physical at home. And yet we're told don't exercise, but you're already exercising in your day-to-day life. Totally. Yeah. So we want to start slow, but we want to, and we want to start with things like alignment, breathing, you know, lying on your back, doing some gentle stretches, maybe doing a little bit of glute activation, lie on your back, lift your butt up, do a bridge. That's Mm -hmm. going to help also with your pelvic floor and reducing pelvic floor heaviness, which can be super common after a vaginal childbirth. Yeah. So all these things can be done before you get quote unquote cleared at six weeks. At six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And you also, and this is all by the way, recent research as it relates to returning back to high impact exercise, like running in the research guidelines that just came out of the UK in 2019, we don't want women running at the earliest three months postpartum. So you want to start returning to running no sooner than three to six months postpartum. Yeah. 
That's what my PT said too. Cause I asked her about that because I was a runner before I had my first one. And I said, Oh, you know, I'm not really complaining on having any other kids. So like, I just want to go for like, let me just really get back into running. And she said, well, you know, like maybe, maybe wait a little, you know, three, she said that she was like, you can do it at three months, but it's really might be a little bit better at six months because it makes sense because you're jarring, you know, like when yeah. you're running, you're up and down and uh, da, 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 and there's a lot of force. <laughs> there's a lot of impact. There's a lot of force and your nerves were especially actually, you know, at any time, any way you give birth, the axons in your nerves get stretched yeah. into a place where you're going to need to rehab things. That's why a lot of times after you push a baby out and you're like, oh my God, I can't really feel my Kegel. Like, where yeah. did it go? I know. I know exactly what you mean. Cause I saw her, I saw my PT at a few weeks. I don't remember exactly when, but I was like, I can't really feel that I'm doing it. <laughs> like what? I can't feel it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the axons in your nerves are stretched. That takes time to yeah. really regenerate. And that's one of the reasons why it is so beneficial to mentally, neurologically yes. stay connected in your pregnancy so that that pathway from your brain talking to your Kegel muscles you know, your pelvic floor, that comes back faster. Yeah. If you haven't done any of that stuff, call it prehab and pregnancy, it's going to take a little longer postpartum. It will come back. It's just going to potentially take a little bit longer. Yeah. Well, let's talk about like timeline and maybe some quick tips or quick like kind of things that you can kind of do maybe a couple during your pregnancy that you can do. And then like newly postpartum on a timeline, cause you mentioned breathing and glutes and you know, all of this stuff, but like I guess, where does that fit into the timeline? For anyone pregnant listening to this, it's a good idea to start connecting, you know, right away in yeah. really making sure that you understand what's going on in your pelvic floor. I'm a fan of, if possible, seeing a pelvic floor physiotherapist in your pregnancy at least yeah. one time yeah. and understanding this concept of yielding, letting your pelvic floor muscles soften and yield, which is key for birth, but also understanding how to upwardly contract, right? Eccentric and concentric contraction. When you're pregnant, also understanding that modification is your friend. And I think that can be really oh, hard. Yeah. Like I have had, you know, CrossFitters come to me and be like, you know, and they are all about like hashtag fit bump, right? Like, yeah. look what I can do. Yeah. Look at it. And I'm a like, no, be an only belly, right? You know, like <laughs> a belly yeah. only pregnancy. Belly oh, God, only. That, yeah. That yeah. drives me nuts. But, yeah. but, and I get it. Okay. If you're an athlete, it can feel like, wait a second, like I'm an athlete. Don't treat me like I'm broken. Like I want to work out hard. And I am all for that workout hard, but there's something called the law of specificity. So when you're pregnant, you want to work out for the end event, mm -hmm. whether it's a marathon, whether it's childbirth, which I think you would agree is much like a marathon. So you want to train specifically for that event. For example, you holding plank, and this is my own philosophy, but you holding plank after sort of the mid second trimester does not serve the end goal. You are mm -hmm. adding, right? Once you have a belly and you hold like a sustained, like, look, I'm, you know, 27 weeks pregnant and I can hold plank for a minute. It's like, that's awesome. But you're actually putting more strain on your connective tissue and you're actually encouraging that connective tissue to stretch and mm -hmm. thin and widen. Why do you want to do that? Like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. So right. I think you can train really hard in pregnancy if that's important to you, but you just need to be smart about it and know what's the end goal. The end goal is to really minimize the impact on your pelvic floor and your abdominal wall and really train for birth and a smooth postpartum recovery. 
basically I'm telling you, once you have that bump, really make sure that you're avoiding movements that are going to unnecessarily strain your abdominal wall. So you want to look out uh. for peaking, popping, like a little bit coning, right? Don't freak out if you see it, but if you see it, it's just your body giving you feedback to say, Hey, you know what? I'm having a hard time managing pressure in this position. Let's try a different way of doing that. So maybe we need to change our breath. Yeah. You know, maybe you can continue to do that movement, but maybe you just need to work on your breathing so that you're better able to manage that pressure. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So really exercises that are still ab focused, but not ab focused in terms of like they're increasing that abdominal pressure in that wall. We want to reduce the pressure. So everything that we teach in our classes is to exhale, wrap the core, exhale, connect. Uh So you want to see your belly contract and kind of shrink Ah. and wrap during the effort of an exercise. Cool. You don't want to see it pop out or bulge out because then you're adding unnecessary strain. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's during pregnancy. And then let's talk about Mm -hmm. postpartum, newly postpartum. I'm assuming we want to do exercises like that where you're decreasing the pressure as well. Yep, absolutely. And and there can be, you know, the same concept, we call it the six P's in our class. So pain, pressure, peaking, which is another word for coning. I had to come up with a P to make this work. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> pain, pressure, peaking, peeing, popping, like your whole ab- abdominal wall popping out mm-hmm. and puffing. Basically, do you need to hold your breath to perform the movement? Like, <gasps> And then, you know, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, we want to use that as a guideline to determine whether or not the movement's appropriate, but I want to be clear. There are no bad exercises. What matters is how you do the moves and when you do the moves, like, are you ready for that particular move? Yeah. So it's understanding how to really progressively overload your core, get that breathing going on, like understand how to reconnect neurologically to your pelvic floor, work on your alignment and it'll come, it'll come, but don't be afraid of things like crunches. So this is the thing where a lot of people will be like, well, I was told crunches are bad. Da, da, da. They're not a great thing to start in the early days. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. But at some point, at some point, my friends, you need to be able to do forward flexion again. I mean, think about it. You're lying in bed. You got to get up and go to the bathroom. You're yeah. going to, for the rest of your life, roll onto your side and press up with your hands. No, you want to be able to do forward flexion. So at some point we want to start to train the abdominal wall concentrically again. Yeah. And the question is, when do you do that? And it's going to depend on how you deliver. It's going to depend on the state of your connective tissue. But I find that most people want to start to do that. Probably, you know, they like to start between four to six months. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, you talked about how important it is to see a PT early on during your pregnancy. So how can someone even find a pelvic floor you called it a physiotherapist and we call yes. them physical therapists here in the US. I actually have a, a post. I can send this to you for the show notes. I have, it's actually an interview that I did with my mentor, who's a pelvic floor PT here in Canada. She's also a PhD. And she talks about how to find a qualified pelvic floor physiotherapist, because the reality is, is that there's a huge variability between care providers. And I think women really need to understand that they're not all created equal. And this isn't to be a dig in any way, but at least here, you only need to do like a weekend course to be able to be called a pelvic floor PT. So you're already a physiotherapist. That's awesome. Really? Yeah. To be able to specialize. Yeah. To to be able to specialize. So you're already, you're, you've done your schooling, like you're a registered. Yeah. You're a physical therapist, but it's like you, it's only got it. Got it. Okay. So in order for you to do internal vaginal exams, you only need to do a weekend course. So 
you want to see somebody who's done more than the bare minimum. And I've heard so many stories of people saying, oh, well, is this normal? Or, you know, I don't know, their gut tells them something's off because it's kind of trending. Pelvic floor PT is kind of trending now, right? Like it is, it's great. It's awesome. (laughs) It's awesome. But it's also something where I find that the best results come from practitioners who maybe have a background in sport medicine, who have Mm -hmm. the ability to really Mm -hmm. analyze tissue and they've got the skill set and the palpating their fingers. Like they've got, they understand the body as a whole. And then, you know, maybe they've been doing that for a long time and then they add pelvic health and they get deeper and deeper. So they, they look at everything. You don't want to go to a practitioner who spends half an hour inside you. Let me put it that way. Okay. Okay. Got it. Mine definitely didn't. I'm like thinking about mine. I'm like, no, she was, she definitely wasn't. We were like talking and doing exercises and she had this little ultrasound where she was like showing me Mm -hmm. my abs and my muscles and stuff. And yeah, no, she was not inside for 30 minutes. (laughs) I've heard stories, my friend. I have heard stories. Sure. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, for our listeners who are still currently pregnant, what is your best tip for something that they can start doing now to set themselves up for the physical aspect of postpartum healing? I think that there's a lot, obviously. I think it's good to, yes, find yourself a good pelvic floor that's a PT. good, that's a great tip. I think that one right there, <laughs> yeah. just, just find someone now, learn about your body, learn yeah. about the state of your pelvic floor, learn about how to connect to it and don't be afraid of movement. So, yeah. you know, move okay, your body good. and breathe yeah. and all those things. And we spend so much time, like at least I did with my first, oh my God, I had a spreadsheet for like the best car seats and the best, you know, like we spend so much time. Yeah. You're nodding your head. Like I know analyzing yeah. Oh, yeah. all the things. And then it's just like, why don't we spend a little bit more time on like our own body to help us through this massive transition. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's great advice. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for chatting with me today and coming on here. You obviously have your own podcast and you have, I mean, you have a whole Instagram, you have courses. So can you tell our listeners where they can find you if they want to take your courses or they want to listen to your podcast, where they can find you on social media? You're awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. And I know we're going to do an Instagram live soon too. So we are doing it all. (laughs) Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yes. Uh, More more amazing information than you need to to share with my mamas. But basically you can find me at the Bell Method. Bell is spelled B-E-L-L-E. Think Bell from Beauty and the Beast. So it's the Bell Method on Instagram. That's also the name of the website. And you know, if you have any questions, you can always shoot me an email, a DM. We've got an eight-week prenatal push prep course. It's Pilates and push prep. So a lot of people ask me, well, can't I just get the push prep part? And I'm like, uh-huh. no, I want you, I want to teach you how to find those muscles yeah. first. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. That so. makes a lot of sense. Well, cool. Well, yeah. thanks so much for joining me today. This was fabulous. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. 
And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.